1: You're listening to
2: a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and
1: present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Mamma Mia out loud! Hello, it is Jessie here. I have had a few cocktails and we're on our way to a beautiful dinner the sounds of New York are in the background I just wanted to thank all the out for their beautiful well wishes all their congratulations it means so much Luca proposed in Martha's Vineyard the other night I should say as well my voice sounds revolting because I've developed a severe pollen allergy this is not interesting whatsoever but my throat has closed out because that's the kind of year we're having but in better news Luca proposed in Martha's Vineyard. It was stunning. Ring is beautiful. It fits because of course it does. I had chipped nails and disgusting hands, but that's okay. We then called Mia as soon as we could. She lost her shit. She um, ran around the house collecting people, waking people up, yelling at dogs. The dogs were excited. She cried because of course she did. My dad was not not on the toilet when we called him. We're still trying to get to the bottom of that. Luca, anything to add?
3: Uh, Not a lot from me. Hello, everyone.
1: He is a man of few words. There is going to be a lot more details that I share when I get back, a few funny stories about me nearly finding the ring, all the times Luca tried to propose, but I didn't want to get out of bed, which is going to be a theme for our marriage but again thank you so much Out Louders can't wait to be back I've been listening to the show while I'm away it makes me so happy oh I also wanted to say that Mia Friedman and Holly Wainwright have narrowly made the guest list we've been discussing the guest list Luca what do you think about their inclusion
0: definitely Holly if, I mean like if you want to invite Mia you can
1: okay she's on my side of the room Holly can be on your side it sounds like Yes. Okay, love you out louders. Can't wait to be back. I say that, but I'm actually really looking forward to the rest of my holiday. Bye, 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 bye.
0: Well, look, welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about on Friday, the 3rd of June. And what women are talking about on Friday, the 3rd of June is that Jessie Stevens got engaged. She's engaged. She's engaged. My name is Holly Wainwright. And if you don't know who we are, you're like, what are these women talking about? Jessie Stevens is our third chair.
3: Her mother in law, Mia Friedman. <laughs> how are you feeling? I'm feeling very emotional. I'm feeling very emotional. I'm very conscious not to make this about me because it's about Luca and Jessie. I feel like two of my best friends are getting married to each other. No. And like my heart is just so full. It's just so full. I went out for a drink with the mother of the bride, mother of two brides, because Claire, Jessie's twin sister, got engaged a few weeks ago. Everyone keeps asking me, Did you know? And I'm like, have you met me? Of course I didn't know. Everyone (laughs) knew not to trust me with such important secret information because I have a terrible poker face and I just wouldn't have been able to hold in my excitement. I always knew that they would get married. I always knew that she was his person. And if I'd have made up in a lab the perfect partner for Luca, it would be be Jesse in every way. She challenges him. She's funny. They both love dogs. They're both goofy with each other. And I think that's so important to be able to be not the cool version of yourself, but the goofy version of yourself. Like they share this absurdist sense of humor. They've got the same values. And our family is quite enmeshed. I mean, Jewish families tend to be quite enmeshed, but then we take it a step further because obviously Jason and I co-founders and mom, Mia, we work together, Luca works here, Jesse works here, that's how they met, all of that. And I remember you, Holly, once said, don't you find it hard, like, working with your partner and don't you want just something for yourself? And Jessie looked at you confused and said, but I've never had anything for myself, I'm a twin. And Anne and I were talking about it at dinner where that level of family and how important family is to both of them is something that they share, which is lucky because otherwise I think Jesse would probably feel very claustrophobic. But I feel just so happy. And as mothers of sons will know, because I've spoken about this a lot, about your sons growing up, I remember soon after he was born, I was holding him and looking at his face and I started to cry and Jason said, what's wrong? And I said, One day he's going to love someone more than he loves me and I don't know if I'll be able to stand it and now he does and somehow it's okay and it actually fills my heart. It doesn't break my heart but it fills my heart because she is such an incredible woman and watching them together and how much joy they bring to one another is one of the best experiences of my life and something that I never expected when I became a mother, watching your child fall in love and find their person. So That's
0: it's so a happy beautiful. day.
2: They're so good together, aren't they, whole?
0: They really are. It is a beautiful day. They're both such brilliant people and they make each other so happy. And people always ask me about Jessie and Luca. <laughs> And I always just have said, "Oh, they'll get married for sure." I'm not even a little bit surprised about this. You know how? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a reputation for not being excited about weddings. I'm (laughs) very true. (laughs) I am so excited for them. But also, when I saw the news, I was like, "Well, of course." You know what I mean? Like it's just, of course, I'd always knew this was going to happen. I'm so happy for them. I think what Mia said is so true because on the face of it, Jesse and Luca come from very different backgrounds, different upbringings, but they share this very tight family thing. Their values are very enmeshed. I'm stoked. I'm also just delighted that Luca and Jesse have confirmed I'm invited because (laughs) (laughs) even though you're anti-wedding, I was like... If I'm not, things are going to get very awkward around no, in Doesn't want to get married, not. loves to go to a wedding. Watch Mia suddenly get really into weddings as the wedding yes. planning takes off. So <laughs> that's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. Anyway, Emma Gillespie, introduce yourself. Let's get on with the show with all our love to Jesse and Luca over in New York City. Yes, it's me, Emma
2: Gillespie, longtime fan of Luca and Jesse's relationship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on the show today. What comes after a court case that has changed your reputation, your work, your life forever? Yes, we are talking about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard verdict and our best and worst of the week, which range from engagements to babies to skincare. But first, Mia.
3: An important update from billionaires to kick off the show. The richest man in the world has spoken. Working from home is dead. An internal email from Elon Musk, who's been busy buying and then not buying Twitter, to all his staff at Tesla, had the subject line, to be super clear, just in case there was any doubt. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything more Elon Musk? Yes, to be super clear. And then in this memo, which is leaked, Musk says, everyone at Tesla is required to spend a minimum of 40 hours in the office per week. Moreover, the office must be where your actual colleagues are located, not some remote pseudo office. If you don't show up, we will assume you have resigned. The more senior you are, the more visible must be your presence. That is why I lived in the factory so much, so that those on the line could see me working alongside them. If I had not done that, Tesla would long ago have gone bankrupt." He's well, not like other billionaires. He really is he? <laughs> should learn to speak his mind more. What do you really mean, Elon? And be more assertive. I think <laughs> assertiveness training for Elon. I saw that somebody tweeted,
0: but Elon, what do you say to all those Tesla employees who are saying that this is antiquated and blah, blah, blah? And he just wrote, then
3: they should pretend to work somewhere else. <laughs> And I mean, so he said you can work remotely, but only after you've spent 40 hours in the office every week. So that's like a normal eight hour. Full-time hours. Full-time hours. Yeah. Look, some say he has a point. I know that there are a lot of managers and business owners who are having an existential crisis that if they can't see the people who work for them, do they really have any power? And maybe that's where Elon's coming from. But he's got some unlikely allies in this idea that it's time for people to leave their home offices and come back to work. And of course, this doesn't apply to everybody. This is all office-based people. I mean, if you work in retail or in a hospital, childcare, working from home is not an option for you anyway. But Julia Gillard, former Prime Minister of Australia, she said that getting back to work might be a really good thing for women. Hole, what did she say?
0: Interesting, because... Broadly speaking, people have said that women benefit from this flexibility, but what Julia Gillard said is, as people have gone back to work and the rigor of lockdowns has ended, has this given us an opportunity to see change in the workplace? There's a risk that if nothing else changes in five years' time, what we'll see is a pattern where women have chosen, particularly in the family formation stage, disproportionately to work from home. And men who have been much more regular attenders at the office, that very visibility, if nothing else changes, will show in who's been considered for promotion, Sponsorship, mentorship, the women will be kind of invisible behind the screen. Em, what do you think about that? I think if
2: everyone is working remotely, then aren't we all invisible?
3: I think her point is that it's more likely to be women who will choose to work yes. from home. Yeah. In the same way that women, because we have more of the child care responsibilities and yeah. primary care responsibilities, We will be the ones who say, yeah, I'll want to work from home. And then the men will be like, okay, I'm going back to the office. And then they will be there for those conversations in the kitchen for the, you know, chats about how was your weekend. So it won't be visible. It's an interesting perspective and just when
2: I thought I'd heard everything there was to hear about working from home, this was actually something that I hadn't considered, that Mm. women might be at risk of this invisibility. But ironically to me, working from home has really flattened organisational structures in terms of who's senior and who's not. Because we're not all in an office environment, and like Mia said, this is for people who work in an office, Mm. normally you can kind of see a status quo of, all right, over there, that's where the senior people people sit or, you know, there's office cubicles. So those people must have more importance or prominence in the business. And when everyone's online, that kind of goes away. So I kind of see a lot of power in that
3: for women that maybe there wasn't before. Except you won't be in the meetings. Because if you're not invited to a particular Zoom meeting Mm. with whatever your department is or your colleagues are, you won't ever see those people who are more senior than you. And something that we've noticed certainly here at Mamma Mia is that the people who are the most disadvantaged by working from home are the new starters and the young people because they don't get the things that Julie Gillard talked about. They don't get the exposure to the more senior people to learn from, to be mentored by, to be noticed. Do you think whole it needs to be more that we have a combination of flexibility
2: but that there's structure to that so it's set days like work from home these days, but your team comes in every Tuesday and Thursday so that we can balance that flexibility whilst not disadvantaging women?
0: I think the only way it works, and I think that the workplace has changed irrevocably, I think Elon Musk's probably in trouble. Good luck to him because for many highly skilled employees now who feel like they have bargaining power, flexibility has become more important than money in lots of cases. The ability to be able to choose a little bit more about how they manage their time and where they work from has become the top of the list in terms of what they look for in a job but it only works if the business is on board from the top down, right? And so clearly in Elon Musk's business, He's not going to support working from home under any circumstances, so it's not going to work. Disproportionately, it will be women who choose if they're allowed to work from home. And that isn't necessarily a good thing, as Gillard's saying, because the reasons for that are institutional and tiresome, though they're around for the pickup because they're going to make dinner and it's because of all those things, whereas the men who are like, get me out of here, I don't want to have to do anything. If I stay in the house too long, someone might give me a job to do. Like that's Mm. They're going to be sprinting to the office. The idea, though, that Gillard's saying about people being overlooked? Well, yes, but only if the management arm isn't on board with working from home. There's no question that it's more difficult to manage people remotely, but it's also essential if you want to keep hold of good, talented people who want flexibility. So do you want to make an effort to make sure that this doesn't happen? Are we accepting it as an inevitability that it will?
2: What really struck me about the Elon Musk email is like, This is a bloke that doesn't trust his staff. Isn't it a trust thing? A
0: hundred percent he doesn't trust his
2: staff. No,
3: I disagree. I think that's too limiting because I think that some of the problems that we've just identified in terms of the visibility and lack of visibility and also if your team's all in but their manager's not in, that's also challenging. So I don't think it's just a matter of I don't want people to work at home because I think they're going to slack off For the business, he's obviously identified that the business isn't performing as well as it can when people are in there. So,
0: but he is saying that he thinks that if he can't see them, they're not working hard. That's why he said, go and pretend to work somewhere else. And he's like pseudo remote offices. He clearly does believe that if he can't see them, they're not working. Now that's fine. That's his prerogative. It's his business. He sets the rules, you know. See,
3: I don't believe that, but I think that there is merit for people not being in all the time, but definitely having some time together.
0: And I 100% agree. And I think that a hybrid model is probably where most people will end up. But I think that what's happened in the last couple of years is going to change things sizingly for a while because tech companies remember traditionally invested a fortune in making their office compounds places you'd never leave you know think about the cliches about google with its massages and its canteen and it's you know in-house holidays and all that kind of stuff Workers can see through that 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 was really just a you will never leave here. You have no reason to ever go on a lunch break or leave the office
2: today. Like Google or Facebook paying for women to freeze their eggs. I think one of those big tech companies. Yes, remember that story? And the criticism was that it meant that women were just going to delay going on maternity leave.
0: And I think that workers have seen through that a bit. So I think that there's, of course, absolute merit and it very much depends on what business you're in. And if Musk wants everybody in, that's his prerogative. But I think a lot of skilled workers who prize flexibility will choose to vote with their feet.
3: In other billionaire news, because I did say there was more than one bit, Sheryl Sandberg, who is a tech billionaire, she's the author of a book called Lean In. She's the COO, which is a chief operating officer, which is basically the number two at Meta which used to be called Facebook. She's Mark Zuckerberg's right hand and has been for 14 years. She's announced that she's stepping down from her role and from the company. She's going to still be on the board, I believe, as an executive director. Here's a little bit of what she had to say.
1: It's a really important moment for women, but it really feels like a very, very important moment.
3: Uh, when I think more focus there
1: would really be important to me personally. I made a final decision this weekend and let Mark know. This was a decision I made that I did not come to lightly. And it really is about how I will spend my time, not how much I believe in the company. I believe in the company
3: as much as I ever did and staying on board. And I really have complete confidence in the team Mark and I have built. So she's leaning out Yeah, I think all the headlines are obviously going to be Sheryl Sandberg leans out. That's not what she said. If you listen to what she said, it's not what she said. She's just leaning in a different direction instead of into Facebook. Do you have any feelings about this, Em? I think it's not great for women in tech, right?
2: I don't think that there are that many really senior women in that industry and Sheryl Sandberg really changed how we saw women in that industry, But again, I think it ties into this sort of death of the girl boss. Are people going to rejoice this with that seedy kind of glee that we've
3: seen Mm. about the death of the girl boss? Certainly the shine came off her when there was a lot of whistleblower things revealed about the way Facebook operates in various markets and her involvement in lobbying governments and covering things up and the election and Trump and all of those things. So she once was a figure of absolute female empowerment and seen as a sort of feminist icon. She hasn't been. For many years now, she's been kind of disgraced from that part of her role or her
1: identity.
0: Absolutely, and I think that some people will say, why did it take you so long?
1: I've been reading that book by Cheryl Sandberg talking about how we as women should challenge ourselves to sit at the table and rise to the top. And her book is called Lean in. Well, I don't want to lean in. Okay, I want to lie down. Mama Mia, out loud!
2: Move by Mama Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favorite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia! subscribers get unlimited access to MOVE and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to Mia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription.
3: Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes.
0: Yesterday, one of the world's grossest celebrity spectacles came to a close. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. The verdict found in favor of Depp and found that when Amber Heard wrote in a Washington Post editorial, two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse. The jury has found that in those 11 words, she defamed her former husband, Johnny Depp, and they've found in his favor. They've awarded the actor 15 million, the judge reduced it to 10. Afterwards, Depp, who was not present for the verdict, said, I hope that my quest to have truth be told will have helped others, men or women, who have found themselves in my situation and that those supporting them will never give up. I also hope that the position will now return to innocent until proven guilty, both within the courts and in the media. Amber Heard said, The disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence and sway of my ex-husband. I'm even more disappointed with what this verdict means for other women. It's a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could be publicly humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. Now, the verdict is what the verdict is. We have to be careful about what we can say legally. And over the course of this case, I think on this show, some of us have made our positions and opinions quite clear on that. But what is interesting to consider is what is next. How do either Depp or Heard move on from this really wild spectacle that has obsessed everybody?
2: M? First of all, why wasn't Johnny Depp present at the handing down of that hearing? I just think it's so arrogant that he He wasn't there. He was busy.
3: He was already committed to playing guitar with his buddy in the UK. Yep. That was interesting because he's been there for six weeks. It's not like, you know, he couldn't hang out a little longer. He brought this defamation case. Do you think it's that he thought maybe he wouldn't win so he didn't want to have to Well,
0: what is interesting is that early in the case, everybody thought he was going to lose. Like people said that broadly in terms of defamation, it was unlikely they were going to find in his favour. What became clear over the course of the case is that his lawyers were going to go very hard and take no prisoners. And public opinion definitely was swinging in his direction. What's interesting about why he didn't turn up is that what he did do on the weekend, well, actually not even on the weekend, but in between the court breaking and coming back with the verdict, was go and play a number of quite high-profile concerts in Britain with his mate, guitarist Jeff Beck, which he received a very enthusiastic welcome. So maybe he had just moved on.
2: Mm. In terms of what happens next, Hull, I think that there's been – irreparable damage to the reputation of both Johnny Depp and Amber Heard because of the verdict for Amber Heard and because of the evidence that we heard against Johnny Depp, the stuff that's not really in dispute.
3: I don't think it will hurt him. Really? I think he'll be fine.
0: Why do you think he'll be fine? The stuff that's not contested about the scale of his, say, alcohol and drug abuse and inability to function surely would make him a massive insurance risk.
3: The insurance risk would be problematic. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm thinking about reputation, right? So the fact that Dior never dropped him as the face of their Sauvage Sauvage fragrance, what I'm saying is that he's not going to have to sort of slink away. So if you look at someone like Chris Knopf, Mr. Big from Sex and the City, he's not getting any ad campaigns anytime soon. I can't imagine anyone signing him up for their movie. But I think if you are not in the absolute nitty gritty of this trial, which I haven't been, I have not been consuming it, barely at all. I know the basic outline of it, but you could easily think Johnny Depp won, therefore he is innocent. And Amber Heard didn't, therefore she is guilty of making up some things about Johnny Depp. I'm talking about the like the very broad brush strokes of what you could take away from this and I just think that what this has shown and Hollywood is all about box office this is all about money if someone has a project with Johnny Depp in it will people go and see it and what we've seen is yes I mean they're turning up at the courthouse going to his concerts they're going on social media they're obsessively following this trial, you know, the ratings of this trial are the highest of any trial in history. Will that turn into box office or streaming? Yeah, it will.
0: I think he has exposed himself as an ageing has-been who nobody would want to see in. Well, What roles would we want to see him in?
2: Well, Holly's definitely done with him, but I want to draw attention to Cannes Film Festival, right, because I think this highlights a little bit of maybe what we can expect or maybe that there's a divide between, like, the Hollywood sentiment and maybe, like, the European sentiment, Kevin Spacey, right? He starred in a film that screened at Cannes this week to largely great feedback. Really? I didn't even know
3: he was still working. He's been the subject of many, many allegations of Of sexual sexual misconduct,
2: sexual assault, I think. Yeah, on under-18s, he's going to the UK to face those allegations. James Franco also starred in a cop thriller that screened at Cannes, also well-received. He's been accused of sexual misconduct by five women. That's back from 2018. The fact that there's been audiences at both of these screenings definitely tells us something. Mm. And during the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, he was cast to star as King Louis XV in a new historical movie. So even as it was happening before we had a verdict, he was still landing roles. Obviously, he hasn't worked much since the Washington Post article, and I suppose that's where this whole thing comes from. As Mia said, it's about money. I'm more concerned about Amber Heard's career from here. Can she even become a DV advocate if there's this Civil court case that says she's not really a victim. And also, we have to remember she's 22 years younger than Johnny Depp. And that's not a comment on an age gap in the relationship. It's more a comment on he had 22 more years to establish himself as this big deal actor. Or she's his best never work. been super famous. Yeah. Until now. For and all she'll the wrong reasons. maybe never get an opportunity to be super famous for the right reasons.
0: I think that's why women feel a lot about this case, right? Because as we've said, the verdict is the verdict. It is what it is. But a message that has been sent to women by this verdict that I hear loud and clear is that it's business as usual. We are still in charge. Shut up. Because this verdict means in theory, and I know this is a long bow, but in theory, I could tell you about a boyfriend I had when I was young who used to physically abuse me and not name him, but say that happened to me, and he could sue me for it. Now, that silences women. Women already walk around feeling a lot of guilt and shame that is already silencing them from the outcomes of their toxic relationships and their abusive relationships, rightly or wrongly they do. And the fact that this man chose to hold this up and push it so far sends a very loud message that we are still in charge. We are still in charge, and especially if you're not the perfect victim. And who is? And I think Amber Heard will be screwed. I think she will be absolutely screwed because I think that what this case has done is shown her as damaged goods, in inverted commas, on a massive world stage, and no one will believe anything she says again. And she's also been pushed back into her place very firmly by the powers that be. The good
2: news in all of this, if there is any, is that we don't have to talk
0: about it anymore. It's been the grubbiest spectacle I've seen for a very long time.
1: If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for M Plus subscribers. To get full access, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash M Plus Plus. That's M-P-L-U-S, or follow the link in the episode description. It's time for Best and
3: Worst. (laughs) It is time for Best and Worst. I'm going to start, well, everyone knows my best. My best is that Luca and Jessie are engaged and I can't believe that the baby I gave birth to... 25 years ago, he's now getting married and it blows me away. You're going to know Jesse forever. Yes, it was always going to be awkward if they broke up because Luca was going to have to find another mother. <laughs> I did occasionally think about it though. I mean, I knew they were each other's person, but mm-hmm. I was like, God, it'll be bad for the show. <laughs> well, now Jesse's kids will be your grandkids. Correct. Oh my God. Can you imagine? My worst, Kim. Kardashian is launching a new skincare line and that's not my worst although I would like at another time to talk about celebrity skincare. Oh enough with the celebrity skincare. you would say that except that I recently bought a Skims bra and it's bloody good. Everybody says it's great her stuff. Her new skincare line is called Skin but with no vowels. S-K-K-N. It's debuting later this month and she did this great interview of the New York Times, which was really interesting. And she said, because they said, oh, you know, celebrities are launching all these things. What do you think? And she goes, look, that's what people said about my skims. They said that it would just be stupid. And, you know, now that company is worth $3.4 billion. That's what people said about Kylie Cosmetics as well. But why is this my worst? Well, she was talking about looking younger and she said, I'll try anything. If you told me that I literally had to eat poop every single day and I would look younger... I might. Oh, my God. Kimberly. And that's not even my worst. My worst is that that's what my dog is doing. (laughs) And now maybe I know why. Maybe she thinks it's going to make her look look younger. But I don't even know what to say. If anyone, any out louders has any advice, any support, I can't. So I have to take her home from the park and wash her mouth (laughs) out with soap. You've heard of the fountain of youth, presenting the fountain of poop. Anyway, it's so disgusting. Em, what's your best and worst? My
2: worst is I moved house a week ago and I haven't had Wi-Fi for a week. Oh, this is I hate such that. a first world problem. But oh, wow. my god, I've realised how much my pathetic life relies on an internet connection. So can't you just use your four G or three oh, data? Oh, so the four G in the building is shit. Oh no! So we can't yeah. hotspot. <gasps> oh, I'm in a hellscape. We've been watching DV. D's, Space Jam, Indiana Jones. <laughs> so retro. So retro. free to wear. Oh, wow. nightmare. <laughs> Hollywood likes a bit of free to wear.
0: I do. I don't mind. Well, it. I yeah.
2: like MasterChef, but that's about it. The upside of it is I'm going to bed really early because I'm just Fucking
3: bored. bored. Yeah. So I'm getting my eight hours you for sure. You can go sure. to bed and have really loud sex and <sighs> that's a good way
1: to meet your
2: neighbours. As you know, I love to have. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And like the phone calls to the telco because we've got the modem oh, oh, it's but it's just not working. Yeah. Three hours per day on the phone so trying to get it hooked up. It's killing me. So thoughts and prayers please out louders <laughs> for a weekend without internet. Mm. Well, What's oh your best? My, my best is is the Cabinet diversity that we have seen.
0: Yes. Prime
2: Minister Anthony Albanese, I'm still not used to saying that, his first Cabinet, Australia's most diverse ever. Not only do women make up 10 of 23 Cabinet Ministers, or about 43%, if you wanted to know, many have diverse race, ethnic and religious backgrounds. We've got Penny Wong as Australia's first Foreign Minister with an Asian background, Linda Burney, the first female Indigenous Cabinet Minister, and Anne Ali, the first female minister with a Muslim background. There's this photo of Albo doing the rounds on all the news sites and he's flanked by all these incredible women and it just warmed my heart so much. It made me think of last year Tanya Plibersek was in the Mamma Mia office. She did a no filter with Mia, highly recommend. Afterwards we were lucky enough to have a bit of a and a chat with her, the Mamma Mia staff. She gave us her time and we got to ask her questions and it was kind of during the Brittany Higgins ordeal it was a toxic awful time in Canberra for women and with tears in her eyes tanya told us that she wanted it to be better for us and now it is and it just makes me feel amazing
0: mm. oh, happy days I know. brilliant optics indeed okay my worst so this week i wrote a story for mama mia about the superwoman myth and how it was time to go in terms of women who have to parent like they don't have a job and work like they don't have children and all those things and I wrote a story about how the super mom myth had to die and lots of people said thank you for that which is lovely but as I was writing it I was also suffering from one of those weeks where you're just overflowing with mum guilt and I'm like how do I still battle with this now because I've had one of those weeks where I've had a lot going on, like some of it work and some of it fun for sure, like traveling for fun reasons and all those things where I've missed milestones with the kids, where there are things going on that I feel I should have been there for. And I still can't shake that thing that I'm just convinced that men don't have they of don't. feeling like, oh, you know, why aren't I doing that thing? Why wasn't I there for that conversation? Why didn't I know that thing was happening at school? It still piles up on me even while I'm busy writing this story being like, get rid of it. we're None of us need it anymore. So I've had one of those weeks where you're like wrestling with your internal.
3: My question about that is how much is it that we've internalised the idea that as mothers to be a good mother, you have to be there for all of that? And how much is it that women want to be there more than men do?
0: That's the very thing I wrestle with all the time because there's a thing that women feel. You know if you've missed a memo from school, for example, you'll see another parent somewhere and they'll go, oh, there's that thing on tomorrow, that <laughs> yeah. lofty day or that sports excursion and you look blank and you feel panic. Well, I feel panic. yeah, And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know. And then where my brain goes is... Well, I know it doesn't really matter that I didn't know. Like, I'll salvage it tonight and they'll go off to school with something on their head that looks vaguely like an Easter hat or whatever it is. My brain goes, I didn't know. I'm a terrible mother. My children are always going to feel like they've got a terrible mother. What's wrong with me? Like, I go into this spiral, which is ridiculous because my best is that today my little boy is 10, right? So listening to you talk about Luca... Mia and how he's this big man now who's getting married like I'm looking at my little boy and he's 10 which for me is a big birthday I reckon decades are always big double digits you
2: know? big yeah. birthday
0: as soon as you hit a decade and also I can't believe that it's been 10 years since I birthed a baby and I know that he's a great kid and I know that he's knows how much I love him and I know that he feels very secure and happy And yet you still spiral into all that crap, which is rubbish. Anyway, so that's my worst. My best is that Billy's 10 and also that I had both my kids in a public hospital in Sydney that is specially for women. It's called the Royal Hospital for Women, funnily enough. I was born there too. Oh, there you go. Mia was born there too. They deal with obviously birth and pregnancy and newborn issues and they also deal with fertility issues and any women's health stuff. And they're great. They've got a campaign at the moment to raise money because it is a public hospital. They are short on funds for lots of neonatal equipment and everything. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. My best is that my beautiful boy, Billy, is 10, 10 glorious years since I held him in my arms in that little hospital Yay. Hol, He'll you're... be getting
2: married in a minute. <laughs> Hole, the way that you're so candid about this stuff has genuinely, and I've never said this to you, but it's genuinely changed the way I think of my own mum. And when I think of how hard I was on her about certain things as a kid, I've really reflected and realised, like, wow, she was just doing her best. Oh. So hang in there, Hole.
0: I have a very quick recommendation. Mia, you made some videos that have changed my life. I don't want to blow smoke. Jesse and I in particular never like to praise you for no, anything. God no. <laughs> Even though you would frequently deserve it. But you've made these videos with Ray Morris, who is like a makeup artist guru from way back. Australian, but massive overseas, right? I assume she mm. lives in New York or somewhere. No, she lives in Sydney. Oh, there you go. Mia did some videos with her about Perry face. We're specifically really makeup tips for more mature women, and I know we've just dissed Kim Kardashian for talking about anti-aging,
3: right? So I'm not. No, she actually says they don't use the word anti-aging in the whole vocabulary oh, of her skincare line. There's Kim a big says push that. against that term, anti-aging. Good. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Well, it's not about anti-aging, but it's about wanting to look your best and fresh and all that stuff. Blah blah. But Ray Morris said that it's all about your base. It's all about your skin tone, that that is actually the thing that will make you look younger. It's not wrinkles. Don't try and get rid of your wrinkles. Don't try and hide them, but try and even out your skin tone. And then she goes on to just give the most practical, easy to follow advice about Why you shouldn't layer up your foundation? Why words like buildable should be an anathema to women of our age, in inverted commas? She gave a lipstick tip that I don't know, you probably can't see me, but I did it today, which is about keeping your lipstick within certain things. Isn't it
3: life-changing? Like the things that she explained to me, it's so funny in the video because you can see her face and my face. My face through the whole time is just basically like the emoji with the hands on the side of the face looking shocked. It's like... Oh, my gosh.
2: Is this that video? We had a meeting with you, Mia, like a planning meeting a couple of weeks ago and when you joined, yes. you looked like you just like exactly. stepped off I had the red
3: carpet. I had just done it with her telling oh, me what to do to awesome. my face and just like these tiny little tweaks.
0: So not blowing smoke, but they're awesome. Mia's videos with Ray Morris. We'll put the links in the show notes and that is all we've got time for today it's been a doozy because we had to talk about Jessie's wonderful oh. news yay thank you for listening to us out louders we love you to bits this episode is produced by Emma Gillespie and Leah Porges and we will be back next week now remember when you become a Mamma Mia subscriber you get access to every podcast exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia and of course you'll be supporting us Australia's only women's media company and our team of female journalists and producers subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a
3: month. Bye. 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 Bye.